Hello, welcome to Boss Woman, a podcast about women, comedy and business. My name's Katie and this is my mum, Karen. Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, Mama said. Mama said, Mama said, Mama said there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, my Mama said. Mama said, Mama said. So Karen, this week uh, I'd like to talk to you about how to book a comedy gig. But if we tell people how to book a comedy gig, <laughs> they'll all go out and do it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, I don't know if people want, would want to, would they? It's well... Quite, it's harder than you think, isn't it? Um, not if you've been doing it a long time. <laughs> yeah. And actually, as far as you're concerned, it's like duck to water. Well, hopefully. Um, so the reason why I want to ask you more about book, booking proper comedy is because I'm about to start helping book late in life. Late in Live being our flagship late night comedy show that started in 1987, 88. Yeah, we've talked a little bit about uh, Late in Live before, all the kind of antics and stuff that goes on with it. Uh, but I want to kind of get a bit more into the nitty gritty of how to run a comedy show, how to book a comedy show. Because you said in the, last, in the last episode that you started out as a comedy booker, so that's how you got started in this game. Yeah, well, not just booking for... Uh, yeah, I suppose that's... I mean... I mean, that's what you said, so... <laughs> Are you sure? Well, Could you I have evidence, you, were a di- you said that you were a director, but you were <clears throat> basically... Uh, you were booking the acts. Yeah, but it wasn't all comedy in those days. It oh, yeah, was, of course. It was cabaret and lots of different... Yeah. So, um, I can't remember what I said, no, but I of course I... I what happened, that's how I got into booking comedy, was booking McNally's uh, and it and it transgressed into stand-up comedy more than cabaret. Which wasn't, yeah, because there wasn't as much comedy on back then, was there? There wasn't, there wasn't stand-up comics, really. I mean, yeah. the, all the stand-up comics were in London and down south. But did you kind of gravitate towards booking comedy because you enjoyed it and you thought that you were good at it? Well, I gravitated to it because I had friends in the industry that pushed me into it because they said, oh, we need somewhere to perform in Edinburgh yeah. because there wasn't enough places to perform. And that's also why I started So You Think You're Funny so that we could get more Scottish comedians because there wasn't them. enough yeah. at that time in the, in the mid-80s. But that's a UK-wide competition as well. It wasn't just about finding Scottish comics. No, no. No, it was. Of course it was UK-wide. But I wanted to to be able to live and work in in Edinburgh and not rush off to... You know, I didn't want it to be that comics had to work in London in order to make a living. And now I don't think they do, although it helps a comic to go to different clubs... Uh, not just stay in Scotland and work, I think. But that's the true... my view. That's true across all cities. So London comics benefit from going elsewhere other than... than get, they benefit from gigging elsewhere than London, as does a Scottish comic benefit from gigging elsewhere from Scotland. Yes, you know I mean? yes. However, um, a London comic or an English comic can mainly live and work in... Mm-hmm. London and around and have a good career. Yeah, but I think it's a, in terms of their career, I think it's good for them to get out of London, no? Yeah. Is that not that's, something that you've told me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But 
they have the advantage of the Edinburgh Festival Fringe mm-hmm. um, that they can come up and do three to four weeks of constant working mm-hmm. and learn their trade really well. Mm-hmm. Now, back in the day, in the 80s, there was a handful of Scottish comics, mm-hmm. absolute handful, and luckily it's grown and grown. And now there is a great, some, you know, really, there's a, there is a comedy industry up here. Yeah, um, yeah, no, it's, it's incredible. Um, I was going to say something, but I'll ask that later. Well, so also from your experience, because you are now, you are now booking all that kind of thing, which I'm not. I'm not booking the new ones because I haven't seen them and I don't know them, <laughs> which is not good, is it? But go back to the start. So uh, tell me about booking the format and structure of a co- of a good comedy gig, in your opinion. Because has it always had, you know, an MC in three acts or an MC in however many acts? Is that how you've always booked comedy or is that something that kind of developed into it as... Absolutely, because my main booking was Late and Live. Yeah. And Late and Live, um, obviously, as the name suggests, is Late and Live. Mm -hmm. And it was all to do with the, the performers at my disposal. Now... You'll remember Ronnie Golden, who still performs with Barry. 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 Um, Barry Cryer. <laughs> I was going to say Barry Humphreys. <laughs> I mean Barry Cryer. Sorry, Sorry Barry, Barry, Barry Cryer. I hope you. I'm so sad he's not coming up this year because yeah. he's been coming up every year for the last ten years. And you'll see um, him actually at the comedy store. The thing, will you? Will oh, you go to so. that? I don't know. I don't know. Um, the comedy store's fortieth anniversary is coming up. Yes, um, which and I'm going Karen's to. going. Yes, I'm, I'm babysitting to make sure that she can go. <laughs> which is very good of you, Katie. No, I think it's important that you're... Yes, it'd be good to be there. Um, now, back to the start. So, Ronnie Golden, um, he's a bit of a muso and had a band. So his band, in the early days, his band would perform at Late and Live. So there'd be comedy and then there'd be a bit of his music. And then... and. The evolution of that was it didn't work breaking it up with music unless it was... How long were they kind of doing? So were they doing like a song in between acts or something? Yes, things like that, which it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it had. we have to have a bunch of comics and then late night dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, in the first couple of years, that's how it evolved. And uh, luckily it was a compare um about three or four acts yeah. and then the music and um, we'd take away all the chairs at the front and everybody would fall about dancing <laughs> uh, yes. stupidly Yeah. Um, and some of the bands were great, uh, Bill Bailey's band Beer Gut 100 they would um, perform and we got some footage of that actually uh, um, yes. Bill had some footage well it was Alan Davis had taken this footage mm-hmm. and it was from the stage point of view so he was right up at Kevin Eldon who's the singer yeah. and right up to his face and looking and then looking down at all the mad cap dancers and it was sort yeah. of punk, punk music so it, they it's were in that footage in the late in TV life. show that you did yeah, yeah some of it is yeah yeah um, and there's also some footage of um, the late, great Addison Cresswell in the bar um, mouthing off as he would. Yeah, I'll have to look it out for you. Yeah, I've not seen that. Yeah, 
you know, all that showing off in the bar, which was hilarious, but <laughs> all the boys do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, but so... But did it start with... So, because the MC, was that generally... Was that a comic always, or was that more of like a cabaret kind of... Because it was... A, a host or comper kind of came from a cabaret variety-esque show, didn't it? Or you didn't really... Well, I think that was that. A, an an evolving thing as well, because as I said, Ronnie Golden did it quite a lot, but he had a band, so he had to have the band on as well. Oh, did so he actually host it? Yeah, yeah, because he, oh, he's, he's a comedian, he was a stand-up. No, no. Yeah. Stand-up with the guitar, but, you know, mm-hmm. then he had his band, so... Um, so we didn't want musical hosts, we mm-hmm. wanted comedian hosts. And I remember um, asking Frank Skinner, asking Avalon if Frank Skinner... Frank Skinner had absolutely no... Um, thought of coming up to Edinburgh and doing a show mm-hmm. and I called Avalon and asked if he would host um, Late and Live mm-hmm. which he said yes to and Avalon thought oh well if he's coming up we might as well My, do a show yeah. and he won the Perry Award which was the company What year award. was that? Oh, God, 92, 93, yeah, 94 yeah. somewhere around wow. then Why did I so that brings me on to my next question of uh, the host is pretty important and what, Very important. And what makes a good Very host? And why? So why did you want Frank Skinner? Because he's got a potty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> he did have a really potty mouth then, actually. Um, no, because he is a brilliant host. Boothby Graffo was another one that I originally saw um, in. Um, oh, it was it was Ibiza or Mallorca or somewhere like that. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, he was uh, Thompson. Sunshine Tours used him and he was brilliant. <laughs> At the time I saw him, he had long, long hair and he was he was comparing, but he was amusing children because it was all families. <laughs> and he he um, finished it all off. He was like Jesus Christ. And he finished it all off by diving into the pool and swimming to the other end. Oh, my God. Which I was... I thought, oh, my God, you're magnificent. Yeah. And he was a great late night host. He yeah. um, and of course the fantastic Mark Lamar. Oh. Mark Lamar was just brilliant at late in life. He, you know, he could do no wrong. But he was also this is totally inappropriate. But he was also sexy. He's beautiful. Uh, I think. Oh, not not from my point of view. Did even. you not think he was sexy back in the back then with his hair and his charisma and like he just? Well, I suppose. <laughs> I didn't look at comedians like that. If I was working alongside him, I thought... No, but I'm a lot older than him, so I didn't look at him like like that at all. Sorry, Mark. (laughs) Um, But he's thinking of doing some stand-up again, so I'm very much trying to pull him into doing something with us. Anyway... But talk about the host, because what what does a host have to do? What's their job? Um, Well, one of the things I have not... I don't enjoy in comedy is when um, the host starts picking on the audience members. the audience the audience members and 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 makes a big thing because I think it's about their material that's the most important mm-hmm. however late in live is a different beast mm-hmm. and actually what it normally is is the heckler the 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 audience member that picks on the host mm-hmm. and it's about the host um embracing that and making it funny and not cruel yeah and if they can do that they can do anything and i mean 
you know, there's the madcap people at Leighton Live, like uh, Phil Kay, who would mm. climb up on the balcony and jump off or something, <laughs> you know, equally as stupid. Or yeah. Johnny Vegas would um, try and do a an audience dive, you know, oh, um, crowd surf. surf. <laughs> so he, you know, and Johnny Vegas He's has a taken a off a bit of a unit. <laughs> <laughs> he was a bit of a unit. So we had to have staff there to hold them up as well. Yeah. We couldn't. We couldn't risk any of the audiences getting hurt. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, Did he make a bit of a habit of the crowd surf today? No, he didn't make a habit of it. He, but he made a habit of being uh, on stage for too long yeah. and all the performers getting really annoyed at really? him and trying to pull him off and drag him off. Well, that's kind of part of the host as well because doesn't, don't, doesn't the host or the MC or the compere or whatever you want to call him they have to set the room up for the acts, but not be too good that the acts have a ter- like That's have right. a struggle. Another which one, which is quite a balance for some for a comic who's you know. Comic. The other one that came along was Ross Noble. He was a brilliant host, oh, and Ross. he did he did uh, late in live a lot, and so did Adam Hills. Mm-hmm. And Adam oh, Hills, yeah, absolute fantastic because he does absolutely set it up. Uh, and is kind to the person, uh, which he proved with uh, Russell Brand when Russell Brand did it and did his old false blood thing. You know, he mm-hmm. had a blood capsule in under his shirt and he got an audience member to throw, well, it was a friend of his, to throw something. Um, this is it's him. Like a glass or something, wasn't it? Yeah. And then he pretended that he was profusely bleeding and everything. Yeah. And everyone was just... You know, even although there was a lot of drink partaken, the audiences were like, completely, yeah, what is going on, you <laughs> yeah. know? And uh, <laughs> Adam came on when he went off to a boo and everybody saying, get off, boo, yeah, boo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Adam Mills comes out and says, do you want to see some more Scotland? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> really? And he got him on again. Really? Oh my God. Yes, he did. Oh my God. And uh, he was still equally as bad and... <laughs> Uh, Sean Hughes actually told me that he had to escort Russell Brand out the back door so that he wasn't going to be mobbed by, by the crowd. By this crowd that hated him. Jesus. And after that, it was Fiona O'Loughlin, an Australian comedian, yeah. who is absolutely Don't wonderful. Call them comedians anyway. Oh, sorry. Just a comedian. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm not a comedian. <laughs> A comic in. No. <laughs> uh, sorry, a comedian. A comic. She's a comedian. She's a stand-up comic. Yes. She's a girl. Uh, anyway, this glass that had been thrown, or bottle or whatever, um, she was sitting on the steps at the back, and uh, the bottle hit the wall, and a shard of glass went into her leg. This is, sorry, this is the Russell Brand night. This is the Russell Brand night. Oh, right. And Adam Hill's had to bring her on after Russell Brand was mm-hmm. off. And she was bleeding. Jesus. So she tells a story. Um, when she went on, she said, you know, I've got, I've got glass in my leg. But did she and just do the set? She did the set, yeah. yeah. And then somebody picked it out yeah. afterwards. <laughs> yeah, my God. Yeah, so um, those were the days. But there wasn't... There, honestly, it wasn't violent ever. No, I mean, no. It was... It was raucous, but never violent. I mean, but that, and that's the <clears throat> kind of task of the MC is to yeah. create a atmosphere and a up for it atmosphere for everyone, but not, but but not let it get past the point of no return. I think when Leighton Live changed 
completely was when we moved from the Cowgate up to Teviot, where mm -hmm. we are now. Mm -hmm. And that last night in 2001, I put on three compares because they had all been so good. So it was Daniel Kitson, who was the new boy on yeah. the block, yeah. um, Ross Noble and Adam Hills. This is the last night in the Cowgate? Yeah, yeah, the last night ever in the Cowgate when they all sang Oh Edinburgh and it mm -hmm. was all very sentimental and lots of people are still sentimental about it. Yeah. And uh, Johnny Vegas was on and would he get off? Would he? <laughs> he was on for at least 40 minutes, if oh not longer. God. And the three compares <laughs> they were going to get him off, oh whatever happened. And... Uh, um, Ross Noble went and got a bottle of Baileys or something and was going, come on now, come on Johnny, and, and, and Johnny sort of crawling after it. And, uh, but then he said, ah, you tried to trick me and, and Adam Hills would sort of jump on him and, yeah, yeah. you know, and then um, Ross, uh, Daniel Kitts, he would cut, they would end up cuddling each other and oh, it was just <laughs> a complete disaster. But amazing to watch. Yeah, yeah, of course. And of course, everybody just went with it and went with it. Yeah, and, of course, uh, of course. You know, we have, we, it, some of that footage is in Late in Life Guide to Comedy, but actually if you see the whole footage, it's just unbelievable. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Daniel Kitson kind of took over after that. Yeah. Ross Noble had become too big and Adam Hills was uh, also becoming quite well, big. Well, I saw Adam Hills and Kitson do it a, couple, a few times up at TV at though, in the yeah, early noughties. Yes, yeah. I, I mean, Daniel Kitson enjoyed Late in Life so much that he ended up saying, I want to compare every single night. <laughs> So I That's a dream. <laughs> so I would let him but the thing is he was in charge mm -hmm. and he had this posse which yeah. was David O'Doherty, uh, Russell Howard, John Oliver, mm -hmm. uh, Andy Zaltzman and it was at the time of Flight of the Concords. Yeah. So they were on quite a lot. So all of them on and I remember a standoff with um with Daniel Kitson and um, what's his name? Who's on this year actually? Um, big, tall, black. Re uh, Reginald D. Reginald D. Hunter. Oh my God! Really? They decided that they were both going to do each other's material. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Which was ridiculous because well, uh, Reg D's uh, Reg D's material is all about him being black, isn't it? Well, a lot, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, um, it was awful. and Was it awful or was it hilarious? Or? It was hilarious, but it went on too long. Mm. And I I was had had a few drinks. <laughs> and I went and said to Adam Hills, uh, will you please go and tell him to stop it? Yeah. Go on stage and tell him to stop it. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know... Do his job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> and so Adam Hills went on and said, and said, Karen Conan said, oh my God. And uh, Daniel Kitson stood up and, because they were sitting on the, they were sitting on the stage. <laughs> uh, you know, it was like, God. you know, they were going to be there forever. Ever, you know? yeah, yeah. And uh, he insulted me as much as he possibly could. Mm -hmm. um, Daniel Kitson did. Daniel Kitson did. Because yeah. you told him off. Uh-huh. And uh, eventually, I, I don't know if um, Reginald D actually 
went off eventually or not, but it went on forever. I just remember that. <laughs> and uh, then, of course, there was the times that Daniel Kitson and Adam Hills and... Um, I think it was Adam Hills and, and um, Daniel would start... Uh, wrestling, yeah, <laughs> without their tops on, yeah. You know, I mean, it might we might as well had a ring in there, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. It was so ridiculous, yeah. But it was. I remember a lot of Daniel Kitson and Adam Hills doing, uh, like licking or kissing Adam's stump. No, Daniel didn't do that. Ed Byrne did. Oh, that was awful. I mean, just. I mean, everybody knew life. that Adam only had. Half a leg, yeah, yeah, or you know, one and a half leg, yeah, because he kept taking it, yeah, I know, he would always take everyone, his... you know. Yeah. <coughs> but all these things didn't really happen till uh, late on, you know. I mean, it would start off um, reasonably. I mean, a lot of Australians have been involved with late in life, mm-hmm. and it would be about the energy in the room, so yeah, you'd have an, uh, an Australian, well, in fact, in our we've got. Um, Richard Carrington, who's worked for us since the, the end of the 90s, yeah. I think 1990. First, yeah. yeah, and he would do the off-stage mic, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> and he would, she still and, does, and he still does he's, it. Yeah. He's been doing it for 20 years. That's <laughs> what I, I don't know if Richard will listen to this, but that's what I want to do: is chop up all the opening. His intros to all the late lives. Oh, you mustn't tell him that. You're not to know that Richard. because he doesn't know that I that we know that he does it, and I've listened to them, and he says something different every time. It's yeah, <laughs> it's cool though because yeah, yeah, he's great. No, I mean that's it was always Australians that would come along, and you know I had lots of different people working doing. But at the moment we have um, Fred Southern Star, who um, and she's been booking it and running it with you for. Well, she'll tell Long me. Time, over ten years? No, I don't think it's about eight or nine years. No, I, think I think it might be ten this year. Might be ten this year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll, so we'll figure that one out. So, as far as booking late in life, obviously that is a completely different beast than um, booking. See, I mean, I used I booked the comedy for Fringe by the Sea for mm. uh, up until yeah, it got so sold. Like, yeah, well, not even Fringe or by the Sea tours or talking about you know, yeah, yeah, like year-round shows. I mean, what has happened now? Well, I wanted to before you go away from that. Sorry, sorry. I wanted to ask you about late in life. Did you feel a because you booked it back in the day? uh, Not back in the day, right up until well, yeah. I gave it it to Fred for the first time last year to do, yeah, which Um, I I still feel sad about. But but the thing is, I don't know enough of the young ones, so Mm -hmm. it's not fair. But I have to move on. Because you, when you were booking it, because you were booking it, did you feel a responsibility to be there almost every night? Yes. And how do you cope with that? Because it's... Uh, I loved so, it, though. Yeah. It was something to be incredibly proud of because you saw things that you would never, ever see. That's why I started recording it. Yeah. Because yeah. for ten years or longer, mm-hmm. the, I saw things on that stage that you would never, ever see again. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was an experience that you could never... It, it was unique mm-hmm. every yeah. night, and that's why we had so many fans. I mean, so many people have tried to replicate it yeah, and have yeah. failed. Oh, God. Um, and now, I mean, 
we're the longest running one. I'm not saying we're the best anymore mm-hmm. because there's so many. It, I there's mean, a lot of competition, yeah. A lot of competition and times have changed. And my God, you know, times have I changed. I mean, Fred and yourself and others keep telling me, "Oh, you can't do it like this anymore. You can't do it like that." Like I've always had it late in live uh, comics and a live band, mm-hmm. and now live bands are out the window because they're either too expensive or whatever, or or. The, the audiences don't want to stay and dance to them. So times have changed and maybe the youngsters aren't drinking as much as they used to. I don't know. You can tell me as you experience it, Katie. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, the live band thing is not our uh, thing about live bands. It's about music that people want to dance to at that point in the evening it tends to be more towards DJs now. Uh, and also our budget meant that we couldn't have get a band that could... That had the right vibe, basically. So that's a different thing. But oh, you're just sweeping it aside. I'm not. I'm not at all. Uh, but the thing that's happened definitely that because I can't remember what your format used to be for late in life. I mean, you will probably remember. But we've had to shorten the sets and have more acts on because people can't concentrate for twenty minutes, which is unbelievable. They'll literally just sit on their phones, like they don't care. Of course, there wasn't phones in the days. Their attention span. Their attention span is zero. When I did late in live, well, I mean, right, phones had been had been invented by the time I stopped doing it. I mean, it was only last year. We weren't as obsessed with them as we are now. Nobody had phones up until the early noughties. Oh no. So, so all of the nineties, nobody would sit on their phone. They'd maybe get messages. Yeah, I mean, I got my first chain phone. Smoke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so they, they would. They would. The, I drink. mean, I would stand at the back of the the little rake and look through the thing to see mm-hmm. because it would be so full. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the Cowgate days, we'd have two double doors. Front of house would be at that door, or I'd be in shouting at the band to hurry up. Yeah because they'd be doing their sound check and, you know, everybody was waiting mm-hmm. to get in. And when, when you opened those double doors, it was whoosh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just... See your people. They just pushed their way in so they could get to the front. And How many would fit in that venue? In the Cowgate? Well... <laughs> okay, how many was legal and how many did you actually put in? Legally... Um, <laughs> Legally sitting, watching the show, 250, but there was about 750 (laughs) by the the end of the night, by four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because everybody came down after their gig. Mm -hmm. So we had um, credit card style things that, you know, and Avalon would buy 20 for all their... And you know, I mean, it was like a performers bar basically. They would, yeah. because, and that was what was great about that venue is that the bar was so close, integral to the, to the venue, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas that changed but a lot. The bar when, was still tiny, though. But when you went up to TV, that's what changed massively. Was that the there yeah. was no bar adjacent or anywhere you know no, very close to the venue. So you know, if hard. any of the performers are going to chat to each other, they'll go into the dressing room. But even then, they're not that interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, as you say, everything's changed. But my format uh, when I did people like Frank Skinner and Mark Lamar uh, mm. when they were doing their comparing, it would be compare two acts and a headliner. Headliner, and that would be it, because they were doing fairly decent sized sets. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, how long... Two acts, you, maybe three. Do you remember But now long? we're doing five or something, aren't we? Yeah, because I've had to shorten the sets. There's on, the headliner's doing 20 minutes. The headliner was doing and 30 now, minutes. And then the, all the other acts... Are, to 40 minutes. All the other acts are doing 10 to 15 minutes. Because we have to have a higher turnover. Because, honestly, if you stand at the back of Late and Live now, people, you just see people on their phones. That's hopeless, it's, isn't it? Or asleep, because nobody... <laughs> Because nobody stays up that late anymore. But yeah, and but oh, it's sad. I know it is sad. It's really sad that people's attention spans can't cope. But there was a time when, because when you had it in the Cowgate, it ran from twelve till four a.m. But now it runs one till five. Mm-hmm. What? Why was there that decision made to move it? Good question, Katie. Good. Yeah, okay, well, let's go straight past that question. No, no, I, I think it was because um, we got a long... You we, got a 5am licence. Yeah, so we made it finish at 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh-huh. So it was 12 to 4 and it still, And I mean, it still makes sense for... Because it's called Late and Live, it's the latest yeah. and longest running show of the Fringe, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I think it still makes sense, but it does, at that time of the morning, yeah, audiences now just struggle to be able to handle two hours of comedy in a warm room, you know. So... But I don't know if... What is it? About the skill of the hosts now as well, uh, and keeping an energetic vibe going. That's exactly what it is, that the, the audience member would know that there was that they were going to go and see a good show. Mm-hmm. It was never not going to be good. Yeah. And that is the excellence that you have to... You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there are other people like Assembly who do Best of the Fest or whatever whatever they call it, mm-hmm. and That's what Underbelly, that does another one, mm-hmm. um, Spank, that tries to be late in life, and mm-hmm. another late-night star... I don't know what it's called. Comedy all stars. Comedy all stars, but and what they do is throw money at it. Mm-hmm. You know, they give um, they give the performer more money, mm-hmm. which is great. But we don't, we can't afford that because we're not we're not running the bar. So yeah, so we haven't got spare cash, but we still pay decent enough wages. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're always reviewing that every year. So. But every every year, I think that a new standout compare is going to come mm-hmm. along and the compares we've had now have been two years mm-hmm. so they'll probably only get another year out of it two <laughs> or three years yeah we but have you have to, to say the new ones because john hastings uh, and scott gibson have been doing it for the past two years haven't yes they? and both are incredible hosts yeah um yeah and this year we're adding jade adams yeah which is great and we'd like to have more women we do we have a good amount of women the the problem now is that a lot of the performers that come and do late and live do their material and what they should do is come along just to have fun and what you just said that uh, you don't like hosts not doing material no i'm talking about them picking on the audience yeah in a bad way i mean patrick monaghan for example when he did it he ran it like a tv not not game a game show, show mm-hmm. you know, which is still good. It's good fun yeah. because uh, you know, but it's it has to be a combination of all those things. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, it's fine have involving the audience, but it's not to be 
picking on certain yeah or turning everyone against a certain person yeah and that kind of yeah, stuff that's right yeah but um, no, I, so I think it's about booking people that want to do the gig as well because um, it's not a gig like any other, and I don't think we should be we should consider it as I just mean, another gig. The reason it is achieved what it's achieved is because of the compares and the people that have been on it. I mean, well, so the bookings are pretty important then. Oh, uh-huh. absolutely. Yeah, important, and you would only put a newbie on if you thought they had the guts to yeah. do something different. Yeah. Well, do you want to talk about that a little bit then? So, in terms of structure of, of performers, how what would you normally do? Would you put a newbie on in the middle or would you put an experienced act on first? Or yeah. How do you know that they're a headliner because they've done it before? Or Of course. What? Just... Sorry. <laughs> yes, is the answer. Um, because I think you naturally know this. I know, um, but just explain to me... So the compare goes on and has to do at least 15 minutes yep. to warm everybody up and mm-hmm. get them in. You know, you don't want to go off on a lame joke, you know. You want to <laughs> build up the audience and keep them going to frenzied state for the first act. And the first act should be um, a good 20 minute mm-hmm. who... Um, is well known, you know, it doesn't have to have been on telly, but well known on the circuit. Yeah, That you can rely on, Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's, after that is when you can put the newbie on. Mm-hmm. And the newbie, you should do your research and see that they are, you know, knocking it out yeah. of the park, as they say. Yeah. Or, the... what is it they used to say? Oh, I stormed it. <laughs> stormed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's actually how Late in Life got its... its reputation because comics would talk to each other not through mobiles or anything they'd just say did you see so and so last night mm-hmm. it was brilliant going you know yeah yeah and that's how they'd get their reputation yeah. um so and uh, then headliners were always people that you'd like where they but now but what happened then after a good few years uh, fred suggested we put 10 minutes minuters on mm-hmm. so well, that's the new base, isn't it yeah but then there's the middle ground one, so mm-hmm. um, you get a 20 minutes, a 10 minutes, a 20 minutes, and then supposedly a late a headliner that should be doing 30 minutes, but that's not happening anymore, <laughs> you <laughs> no. tell me. No, um, yes, yeah, quite a different format now that we're proposing. Do you want me to tell it to you? <laughs> tell you it? So are you telling me that you've already decided a new format? Um, I'm going to write it down. Yeah. <laughs> yes. New format. Yes, we have decided a new format. Uh, when were you going to tell me? When we were. I've emailed. I've cc'd you into a billion emails that has this new format in it. Well, then it's not new, then is it? And it's not new okay, to me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> well, tell me. Uh, well, MC does 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we have an opener which does 15. Oh. <laughs> an opener being. Still well, how I described. Yeah, still a strong, right. recognised act, yeah. Um, but we're cutting times down because it worked better for the show and people's attention spans. Then it's a ten minute... A newbie. Ish. Then... Ish. Then it's another fifteen. Um, and more new... No, less Middle new, ground. Middle ground. <laughs> And then it's uh, 10, potentially, shove another 10 in, and then it's a headliner that does 20. 
So it's a lot of acts. So that there's... Now, what we would do, and I think you do as well, is you don't... You put, like, one of our very good um, uh, headliners would be the Umbilical Brothers, for example. Yeah. That are more visual comedy. Yeah. Um, so... So you get sort of circusy types. Well, not circusy, just like more physical com- comedy and yes, like stuff with people with music and sketch and you know, yeah, upbeat party kind of stuff that's gonna pump up the vo- audience again. Mm-hmm. Um, is this is this headliner or, or a middle grounder? Would you put? Well, both. I mean, now we're in a position where we need to have energetic acts. The right, you can't have. Somebody come on, unless they're doing a 10 minutes, because 10 minutes isn't that long, um, they would be straight stand-up, but a lot of them need to, you need to mix up a lot of energetic acts with, within the, with the stand-ups. Yeah, so we... keep the night alive. I mean, back in the 80s and 90s, there was a lot of musical comedy. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of musical comedy now, not as much anyway. Well, there is musical comedy, but I don't know whether it's as popular or... I don't know why, what you're writing down, because I don't have... I'm writing down musical, musical comedy. comedy, but I don't know. But I don't have acts that I'm going to tell you about. I'm not going to ask you. Okay, good. Don't test me. It's <laughs> <laughs> stressful. It's not. Um, in terms of uh, booking, again, do you write down a big old list? You have like a big database of all these names. Yeah. Or, like I'm saying, do you, obviously you don't have that now because he's saying that you don't book as much. But um, is no, that how I you would do it. I look at who's been doing late and live over the last few years and yeah. see, um, and and also see because we've recorded it all, so we could look and see who's mm-hmm. good and who's not. Mm-hmm. But it is about uh, who you you've got have got the reputation of doing well. So that's late and live. As you said before, late and live is really different from booking year-round gigs. Yeah. What? How are? The, how do they differ? Um, late nightness, yeah, um, and late drink fueled, etc. Um, nowadays, just an ordinary comedy gig, mm-hmm. people are coming out to get entertained and perhaps fuel themselves up with drink. But that's while they're watching, so yeah, you know, they're they don't come in pissed no. normally. No, they don't come in pissed. They come in to just have a good laugh mm-hmm. uh, and relax. And um, I would think their attention span is better than it is at late and live mm-hmm. um, but we in the 90s um, and early noughties we toured a lot of line up shows um, it was the Gilded Balloon uh, oh <laughs> uh, the spring and autumn comedy tour I think we'll find circuit the sur- comedy we call, circuit we called it the spring comedy circuit or the autumn comedy so we would do yeah. the spring and autumn and it would be uh, a line a Compare and four comics normally. Four comics? Three or four. Did you not choose enough that would fit in the car? That makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, no, but it wasn't a car, we'd have a van maybe. Well, did or you. A, and how did that work? Well, did you have the same lineup going around, touring around, or did you choose acts that were in those places? No, we. what would happen is we. the early years, of these we were sponsored, beer sponsored, so we could... Um, You've had money yeah, to, <laughs> to help tour them. with so, travel. You know, we were, we were touring 
you know, a headliner would be someone like Joe Brand or mm-hmm. um, the big big names. Yeah. Um, I mean, in Glasgow, I used to book a place called uh, the Comedy, the Comedy Night at the Shelter. The Shelter was a a venue, but it's been pulled down now. Um, and we used to get loads of great comics up, mm-hmm. and uh, we'd do stuff at the Gilded Balloon in the Cowgate, and there, so we would double up a bit like um, what we were doing when we had Drygate and, and Drayson, yeah. yeah. Um, and the 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 tours were always successful because um, the the comics you chose would get on together mm-hmm. and you'd travel together. Yeah, you know. Um, but they were successful because of the names that you booked, I assume. I mean, well, whether well, they were these, names these or not, towns and cities uh, were crying out for comedy. Yeah. You know, they so they didn't get much of it. Mm-hmm. But whether yeah, so they weren't necessarily TV names. They were just good quality comics that you yeah. knew people would find funny. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's changed a bit now as well because a lot of the smaller Scottish towns and and places will only go to go out if it's a TV name if they've seen somebody on TV. Yeah, unless the comedy or uh, the town or city is doing their own. Because yeah, Aberdeen nice. and. Uh, Inverness, we we tried to do comedy there for a good few years um, with Happiness mm-hmm. in Inverness, which was a comedy festival, um, which was great because we had some great people do it. But and and the audiences came, but they didn't take it to their hearts like we wanted them to. Yeah. Um, whereas Aberdeen is now doing one, I believe, that's doing quite well. Well, that, and that's the difference, isn't it? That. Um if it's about the venue, so say like our own venue in Edinburgh, Gilda Bloom Basement, people go there no matter what the lineup is because they trust that it's good, yes, good comedy. Yes. Whereas that's a bit different when it's a you know say it was a touring circuit show or a touring show, a lot of people in those times wouldn't go to that venue unless they'd heard of the person. Before. No, but but one of the reasons I attach Gilded Balloon to was the touring to. So that people knew the quality yeah. was good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I think I was just thinking about your four, the four comics. <laughs> I think it was four comics, a compare and three. Three comics. acts, yeah. Yeah, it was when you were going. But then I or whoever was driving them would be the the fifth. I know. <laughs> well, I was going to say you must have drove them because I imagine I did drive some of them. Yeah, Colin Lennox drove some of them. Did he? Yeah. And Did you enjoy running those kind of gigs? Because that's kind of you go into more of a producer role mm-hmm. in that when you're doing a tour like that rather than just a book. I think the worst thing about all these things, any tour, is the marketing and the mm-hmm. posters and mm-hmm. make sure that. I mean, now you've got social media, which I still have problems understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand how you could fill a room just by yeah. putting on social media. But you how, don't have to understand that. No, don't patronise me. I'm not being. I'm not I think that was quite patronising. Sorry, but I apologise. Oh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> really? Um, quite categorically, do you apologise? Promise. Kind of. <laughs> Calm See, down. You don't believe a word you're saying. Um, anyway, um, one of the things I felt that was, and I feel that we. Gilded Balloon is only well known because of the years it's been doing it. Mm-hmm. Marketing has never been my strong point. 
Um, it's a hard thing to understand. It's really difficult. I mean, it's all about understanding a customer's behaviour, and that is complicated and changes all the goddamn time. I know. I know. You. I mean, like you just you're saying you don't understand social media like that. It's so new to so many people as well. Like it's and it's constantly changing. So I don't know how it how it reaches out to anybody or if it does or, or it does, but I don't understand it. Yeah, but I, but on me saying you don't need to understand it, you don't because there's other people that do understand it and are helping us get better at it and everything. But yeah, it because that's what I'm saying. When you were touring those kind of comedy shows that you were booking, you weren't a booker; you were a producer, so you were thinking about more than just booking the acts, or aren't you? How, yeah, how they're going to get there. You know, put them in the hotels. How much that's going to cost? Yeah, uh, making sure posters are up, making sure there's ads out. You know, but and then the press getting them to radio stations or whatever. Yeah, it's a big, it's a much bigger job. Yeah, but did you do you love that? It was great. Sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a great a lot of the time, but uh, sometimes, like you were saying earlier in another in another episode you were saying I don't understand why some people don't come sometimes mm. and sometimes you just don't know yeah you know there's a football the, match on or I imagine that's one of the hard things especially if you're traveling around with comics as well and they moan at you, you yeah know? yeah exactly and it's that's why I like to work with the best the nicest and the yeah the ones that are easiest to get on but with. that's quite and good. can I say yeah that many of the women mm-hmm. comedians are like that yeah um boys moan a bit more but that I mean that's something to say as well harsh, is that but maybe true it's something that you've learned over the years I assume you can tell me if I'm wrong but you want to ultimately work people that are nice to, and good to get along with and do the job and are absolutely you know it's there's something to be said for working with people that are nice to be around and are, you know, have, care about stuff as much as you do or whatever. Well, the thing is, we put in a lot of long hours at this mm-hmm. and you're not going to do it just to be insulted and shouted yeah. at. Yeah. Says me, who it. used to shout at everyone. I know, exactly. <laughs> but I shouted because I cared. I wanted things to be right, you know, and, yeah. and that's how the Gilded Balloon, you know, started out. But yeah. now... You don't shout as much as I do, and I don't shout as much anymore. So. No, you don't. Um, so, what's my takeaway before I start booking late in life for this year? Well, what's my? What do I need to think about? I mean, I think you are good at booking a lineup, and a lineup should always have a woman in it, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah. Well, there's so many amazing women to choose from now, anyway. So that's right. There must always thing. be a woman in it. Yeah. Um, if you have a crazy <laughs> madcap comic, mm-hmm. then you can have a quieter one. Yeah. Or um, and the crazy madcap one should you know you don't put a quiet one after a crazy madcap one. Mm-hmm. You put the crazy one on you know before the interval. Yeah. Say. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, and you always have an interval if mm-hmm. you can. Yeah. Um, so it would probably be how we used to do the old Gilded Balloon in the Cowgate mm-hmm. when we did, uh, we would do a compare um, two performers, yeah. a break, and then the and then the compare, and then the headliner because mm-hmm. the headliner would be doing forty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So that was a really nice show. And the headliner would be a Sean Hughes or a, or a um, Joe Brand or, a, you know, someone yeah. with Eddie Azard, you know, the, someone with a bit of kudos. You yeah, know? yeah. Jack D did it. We, we had some great, great people. And, and there were so many good uh, touring comics in the 90s. Um, and of course there are now, but you know they're maybe harder to get hold of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the industry is is pretty hard now. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's hard in that it's competitive. I guess it's, there's just so many more comics, so it's. I know, but it's also competitive price wise and all that kind of thing. You know uh-huh. this. But, but we're not going to leave this episode on a downer, are we? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, well, I was going to tell you a little marketing story okay. about... Um, I can't, I've probably told it to you before, but when we were in the Cowgate, uh, I um, had difficulty um, paying for the printer, uh, the printer poster. of posters, poster said posters. And the guy came in with what appeared to be a shotgun. <laughs> what? Well, he had he had a, a blanket over. What? He came in and said, "Karen, pay me." <laughs> I would say, "What are you talking about?" And uh, he said, "My wife's leaving me because of you." <laughs> and I went, "What are you talking about?" He said, "You have to pay for the posters." I stayed up all night printing, and and I'm saying, "I know nothing about you know," and. and, and you're left going. She's st- telling me this story with her fing- with fingers in the gun <laughs> position at me. So well, it had it had a blanket over it, and I'm I'm not sure whether it was a gun or not. But he did frighten us what? all in the office. Oh my god, that's mental. <laughs> yes, there's many times we that... won't talk about money. Let's not go into that. But that's... no, no, I paid him. Don't I worry. Know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, of course, you did. I always pay my debt. Oh my god. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a bit longer than it should. Then you but... would like. But uh, yeah, my God. Well, but I put it this way: it was the last time I used him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I never went back to him. Jesus. And I um, found out that he actually lives quite close to me. Oh <laughs> Jesus. Uh, well, that's a woman in business. You see, you get threatened, <laughs> and then you, you pay your do. bill. Apparently. Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> um, fabulous. I was going to say something about. The line, how the format that we run in the basement, but I don't know if that's relevant anymore. Of course it is. It's you that's running it, and I think because. Well, so your format in the Cowgate when you did it was uh, one interval, so two acts, an interval, and the headliner. Uh, now we do it in the basement. Uh, we have uh, the compare, the MC, uh, then the opener, which, as you say, is a strong opener, uh, tried and tested people that I've had on many times before and I can rely on and they do 20 minutes uh, then we have an interval then we have a uh, then the compare comes back on and then we have a 15 minute and that's a newer act so that's somebody that I may not have seen before or I'm trying out uh, they do 15 minutes then we have another interval so we have two of the intervals so but hang on a minute the the compare and the the 20 minutes opener mm-hmm. you have a 15 minute interval then you have the compare and a fifteen minute, mm-hmm. and just, so does the compare do another fifteen minutes? Then? No, the comp- so the compare the first time does ten minutes only, but that can kind of lead over to fifteen minutes if the room's a bit cold. Uh, and then after the first break, we do ten minutes of the um, 
compare again. So it's a similar set time um, because generally then you still need just as do much Do you love. do what I always do? And then right. after the second interval we have a five minutes for the compare and they bring the headliner straight straight out and we say 20 to 25 minutes for the headliner. Um, this is us in business together and counts another format of the show. So, <laughs> Well I kind of do but I, do. I don't... I'm, I'm just comparing it to how you did gigs in the past. I think it's interesting. Yeah but it's all to do with the concentration of the of the audience you tell mm-hmm. me yeah which yeah, it is. i and think it's sad and I, well i yeah it, it is really sad and i find it uh i just prefer to have two breaks anyway so that people can obviously go to the bar that helps everything but as well as having regular toilet and cigarette breaks because it's nothing worse i think than people getting up going whilst, up to the toilet i know well, whilst acts are honest i just told your bladder it's 20 minutes of your life and that drives me mad through the fringe as well um when people can't you know, not go for a pee for an hour, and it's only an hour show. Um, but yeah, I think it is to do with um, concentration. But the message from this episode, I feel, because this is how I've become addicted to comedy booking and comedy just in general, is that there's nothing better than standing at the back of the room of a lineup that you've booked mm-hmm. and seeing the audience having and the time it. of their life, like you know, streaming tears. Of the audience, of seeing it working, of mm-hmm. just pure joy of them having an amazing time, and in this day and age, it's important. I want to ask you now: Do you go in to the performer and say, "Great," or would you mind saying this? Or I mean, I yeah, always well, say to the compare, "Would you please say who's on next week?" Or you know, because sometimes they don't get the messages across that you want to get yeah, across. Yeah, and and it's actually a really important message, and it comes across. Uh, it's it's a really effective way of obviously talking about stuff like that. Like say it's an effective marketing tool is for the compare to say that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, a lot of the compares have worked with us for a long time, so they're great at it. So uh, Jay Lafferty and Chris Forbes and everyone have said they're they're used to saying go to Boom Basement. You know, follow us on Twitter, or Facebook. Oh really? Do they? Yeah, and they tell people to rate us because I would never know how to do all of us on Twitter (laughs) they they rate us on TripAdvisor and all that stuff because they know the stuff that works so do you do boss women on Twitter Uh, follow us on Twitter yes (laughs) I try and say that at the end of every episode yeah but do you write anything about us is what I'm asking no I post the episodes there okay Okay, well, we would want... you like me to write stuff on there? Yes, we'd like new people to discover us, and because um, yeah. I was thinking um, how much I enjoy interviewing other people, and I'd like us to get better at that. Yeah, yeah, um, we need to write our wish list for them. Once the program's out, we can write our wish list, can't we? For yeah, who we want to interview. Yeah, but I'd like us to do some during the year as well, not just yeah. building up to the festival. Yeah, well, there's lots of Scots that we can interview, isn't there? Yeah. So um, do you want another story? No, was, oh, well, no. unless you've got any other stories. Um, no, there was one I was going to tell you, I've forgotten. Are you sure um, you've forgotten? Uh, 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 yeah, we won't bother to saying horrible. Um, well, it's not horrible, it's just some of the antics. You can see that on Leighton Live Guide to Comedy, I think. Yeah. Because um, some of them were all just too rude. Yes, fair enough. Uh, well, I'm going to go back to watching binging on Line of Duty. Well, I don't know if that's very comedic. 
It's not. This podcast is not comedic. <laughs> Who uses that term? What's wrong? With oh, you? shall we say the most exciting thing that's happened over the last couple of weeks in our programming? <gasps> yes, it's very exciting. So back uh, a year ago, this time a year ago. Um, well, no, it was longer than that ago. Uh, a a pod- year and a half ago. A podcast uh, started called Table Manners uh, by Jessie Ware. And Jessie Ware... And her mum! And, well, get to that bit. Jesus. Right, sorry. <laughs> um, Table Manners with Jessie Ware is a podcast that Jessie Ware started with her mum. Uh, and it's her, her and her mum interviewing guests and talking about food, because that's what they're passionate about, is um, food and, and family. And the mum's a very good cook. And the mum is a very good cook. Um, and the di- and I started listening to it, and I'm, I'm obsessed with Jessie Ware as it is. I adore her. Um, and I started listening to it and loved, loved it. And then I was all of a sudden clocked that the dynamic between her and a mum was pretty much the same, if not... More ridiculous, like our relationship is more ridiculous than theirs. How dare you? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think and that's so right. I said to Mum, "Shall we try it?" And we got my phone out and recorded the first episode on my phone, uh, and it was pretty bad. And the rest is history. Look at <laughs> look at us now. No, but the main thing is, Table Manners is coming to the Gilded Balloon. Yes, and I've said that I'm going to buy all the tickets for one of the dates, and I'm going to sit in a room on my own with Jessie Ware and Mum. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Don't care. No, I'm, she's not. By the way, Jessie, just so I, you yeah, know. Don't worry. Uh, no, I'm so excited. Uh, if I get to meet her, I might. You will get to meet her. You'll go into the dressing room I'm and introduce her. I'm scared to meet her. I really, <laughs> don't, don't be it's silly. Like seeing uh, the Beatles. Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, but Spice Girls. Yeah, it's like Spice Girls territory. She's amazing, and yeah. So yeah, I would be scared. Well, anyway, it's really exciting. That that's the thing that. Actually, they would come, well, through promoters yeah. to us. And we went, oh, we're such huge fans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They have to come to us. Because <laughs> exactly. there could have been any other uh, venue. venue they could go to and exactly. have come to us. So, um, Jesse and your mum, we're looking Lenny. for... Uh, Lenny. Yeah, Lenny is her name. Um, I'm going to listen to them before I see you, by yeah. the way. <laughs> um, we're looking forward to seeing you in August. And uh, we will be there with... Uh, what on? Spots on with do- bells on. Bells on! Oh my god, spots on! God, oh god, I, I think not. I'm getting all Katie. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Gilda Balloon to find out more information about more episodes. Uh, and if you give us five stars, then that would be lovely. I have nothing that I can give back to you for the five stars, but if you get all our thanks, if, if you and rate love, us, if you rate us five stars, then more people can find uh, our ramblings in the future. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to the future. Thanks for listening to episode two of series two. Ooh, <laughs> bye! Thank you very much. Thank you. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like.